All right. Today I'm joined with an old friend who went to my old high school, Eric Yang. And um, I'm excited for this one because, first of all, we haven't spoken in a long time. And I know you're doing great stuff. And I'd really like to just catch up and understand what you're up to in your life um, and just getting a better understanding of the path that you've taken and maybe how I can apply that to my own life. So do you want to give yourself a quick intro, Eric? Thing. Uh, good to be here, Aaron. Appreciate the, the invite. Um, yeah, like Aaron mentioned, we met, I think last time we saw each other was maybe like six years ago, six or seven years ago. That's that's when I was back at STE. But um, yeah, I, I run a, I started a nonprofit in, tech, in, in technology called Junto, from the Spanish word Junto. And uh, yeah, just creating a new breed of social media to move beyond a lot of the extractive qualities that we see uh, in today's paradigm when it comes to, you know, harmful design patterns, privacy concerns, um, extractive revenue models, you know, mental health issues, addiction, superficiality, and things like that. So, um, has just been invested in creating a new platform for people to um, engage online with. Okay, so there's a couple things that I wanted to talk to you about. Um, one is that I know you went to Vanderbilt for a year or two, maybe three. Um, and I know that you didn't graduate from Vanderbilt, right? Yeah. So whenever, let's just go into that. Why, why did you decide to drop out, I guess? Mm, well, I think, I think, you know, similar to what you mentioned before we started recording this call, I, I think that the classroom setting for me has always been a little bit, always been a little bit jaded by it. I think that um, my particular learning style has always been a little more hands-on, uh, more project-based, more self-directed learning, and in more focused areas that I, I find more interesting. And, you know, I think th throughout the course of my life, when I was a kid, I would always be creating different things you know I had my parents and different teachers ask me like what I wanted to be when I grew up and they would just list these categories right they would say doctor engineer lawyer obviously being Asian right <laughs> and there would be like firefighter policeman teacher civil rights activist you know but but none of them really resonated with me and it wasn't until I was in high school it was like um, why not just start something myself, you know, like, why isn't this idea of entrepreneurship or, um, and I don't really like that term that much, but just this idea of creating something yourself and, and building your own project and building your own uh, solution to problems that you see in the world. Um, that seems to be something that isn't really um, projected as much onto our youth, at least from the time I was growing up. And so I think that, you know, that sort of personality trait of mine um, has always been there. And I think already by the end of high school, I was, I was pretty worn out by the, you know, the existing structures of like classroom setting and the traditional lecture-based models, which works fine in, in, in many cases and, and for many people. But, um, you know, it was this thing at Vanderbilt and... Um, you know, it's a great school, um, highly regarded in academics and like D1 
athletics and, and beautiful campus, great financial and things like that, right? But I think for me, um, the style of learning is very similar to, there wasn't, you know, a big jump in terms of learning any differently than I was in high school. And I also think that the culture um, was also a little bit um, uninspiring in the sense of, you know, you, you kind of finish high school and, and you know, you're, you're a freshman in college and you may have experienced this, but you go into college and like, it's going to be a very different dynamic, right? Like sure. there's going to be a lot more authentic relationships, a lot more interpersonal connections, a lot of the BS that you go through and like the false representation of like yeah, yeah. portrayals and you, you would kind of expect that to dissipate a little bit as you, as you move to the next stage of life, but it was very much still there. And that was like a very divisive internal conflict I had where, you know, coming from the small school that we did where my graduating class at ST was like 38 kids, you, you go into college wanting to prove something to yourself, right? Mm. You want to go into college and be like, all right, like, let me see how I can do socially in the real world, quote unquote, like outside of the small bubble of like where we grew up. Right. And so there's half of you that wants to play, play the game and join a fraternity, see if you can be like, you know, like accepted within the, um, it sounds ridiculous. It's kind of the pressure that everyone goes through, right? Like, can you, can you kind of, um, thrive in, in that type of environment um but then the, there's another half of you that understands that all of it's kind of bullshit and all of it is you know just kind of this facade and and built off of these like associations that um tend to be more divisive than than and and, and really devalue us as as human beings and and the depth of of what we truly represent like underneath and so that the first year was was I mean, it was a lot of fun, obviously, <laughs> but um, you just get to a point where, you know, after my first year, it was, it was pretty, uh, I was pretty much done with uh, that type of like fun party college experience that um, people kind of seek. And, and I think the second and third year was filled with a little bit more self-loathing, mm -hmm. um, just, uh, you know, more going into that embracing that feeling of like something doesn't feel right and understanding what it is but not being able to fully express it with text and and to the fullest degree that i wanted to because there there are consequences socially when you do that right and yeah, so you start yeah. to feel more isolated which is a beautiful thing because then you start to go into like a real deep sort of meditation of understanding like who you are, what you really value, who you're true, like what relationships are truly matter to you. Um, and uh, I think that all of this to say, like essentially all of that um, deep uh, introspection, analysis, and introspection, exactly. Um, led to you know something that i discovered within myself which was has been with me based off of the way i grew up and it's i think exists within everybody but i think especially um it was especially poignant for me this desire to be able to express myself freely right i think everybody that's that's the purpose of of anything is to reach that state of where 
there's no thought before the action, right? You just mm, yeah, are, just are who you are, and and you you do so without restraint or restriction or without fear of judgment, and it, it's a truly authentic self. And that's 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 essentially core motivation of of Junto, right? Is is how can you facilitate that uh, feeling and that way of life for um, millions of people around the world? Because the, the way that social technology um, is created is is it's it's intentionally created to maximize you know our time on the platform and target the vulnerabilities of your psychology because the revenue model is built off of um, your data and your time and your intention, right? And so ultimately, um, that's why a lot of these platforms have been built with these harmful design patterns that kind of encourage polarization, encourage outrage, encourage, you know, like superficiality and these social competitive social dynamics. And so um, ultimately, uh, sorry, I'm just pausing these notifications. There you go. Yeah. There's just an opportunity to to leave um, to leave university through the project like this project that I started. Um, like the the idea was after my internship freshman year, but uh, after I started tangibly working on it more seriously, my junior year of college, and had launched you know a pilot within the university um, campus and also raised some money from others uh, then just kind of, you know, it seemed like a good time to, to pivot and, and just take that go to Brooklyn and build something. One second. You want to start a code on. Sorry about that. So was it a hard decision for you to like say, okay, um, this college thing isn't for me. Um, I've known it's not for me for a while. Um, I'm gonna do it. Was it a hard decision? It was. It was definitely pretty tough. Um, you know, you mostly because you know how much your parents care about the traditional form of education, right? Yeah. And um, walking my own path when it like when it when it came to like caring about what other people thought outside of my parents like that didn't matter. It, I, I felt empowered to just try to show to myself more than anyone else that you don't have to kind of you can bend things around you. You can really carve your own way, and you really try to explore things that are that are um, outside of the scope of what you are familiar with. Um, but there is, there is a certain level of obligation you feel to the people that raised you and took care of you and invested a lot of time into you. But I think ultimately you, you have to do what is best for you, kind of communicate that. And I think you have to put your purpose above all else, even, even when it comes to hurting people's feelings, because then you would just be denying yourself what is really true to who you are, right? So, um, and then there's, there's a little, there's a little bit of uncertainty when it comes to, um, when it comes to like, even earlier in the year, wanting to work on it more tangibly, I was still applying to certain things, you know, you want to kind of position yourself to be self-sufficient, right? You want to be able to 
set yourself up for a career, uh, be financially uh, sustainable and do the things that you want to do. But um, I think as time progressed and as I spent more time developing in it, especially when we raised the money, um, it was more of just jumping in and saying I was going to do this and then, um, you know, uh, kind of taking it day by day. How did your parents react? Definitely uh, better than I expected, to be honest. Like, there's still the, there's still the you know, um, the feeling of, uh, probably because my brother had just gotten into medical school, so. <laughs> <laughs> I think that definitely helped. I think that there's a lot of concern um but i think they were also familiar with like my type of personality that this, this did feel more aligned but you know there's always a certain fear you have with when you're a parent when your son or daughter or whatever decides to do something that is less secure you know mm-hmm. yeah do you so so junto you, you you started working on it your freshman year um um, were you working on it by yourself or did you have some help? Well, I started working on it the the summer after my freshman year. Okay, summer after freshman year. So, um, I'm not sure if this entire story is fully relevant, but I can go into it if you yeah, like. Yeah, go into it. Yeah, I'd love to hear it. So, um, <clears throat> all right, senior year of high school, um, we have a managing director from Merrill Lynch come in for one of the career days at ST. Uh, are you familiar with Champ? Champ yeah, Warren. Champ Warren, yeah. So he, he comes in and gives a, doesn't talk about private banking, he talks about his story, right? Which was, right. Which, at, which at the time, obviously I thought, it was very inspiring because here's someone who graduated with like, like a two point something GPA in college and just like hustled. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he was very, uh, he still is like very, very charismatic, very good in his delivery of stories. And, um, just had like that. He just had that. There's that some people factor. That, yeah. Yeah. I know. I know what you're talking about. That, that thing. And I, I resonated with that quality a lot. And so, Anyway, I come up to him and ask him, like, oh, like, are you guys doing internships for, um, you know, um, for, like, the summer? And he said, you know, um, you know, we only have internships for after sophomores in, in college. And so then I was like, all right, well, can I get your card? And maybe we can grab coffee sometime. And uh, so he had two business cards, gave one to my to me. And then I sent him a really long email. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I like it. We made a case for like, you know, just, just shared a very personal story and like also um, made a case for doing an internship. And then he said, all right, meet me at um, Starbucks at like seven in the morning on Wednesday. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Like six, six, six a.m. or something. I forget. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I mean, at the time I'd gone to Vandy, I'd, you know, like I had some, I had a little cachet to like, I have 
the credentials to succeed in that environment if you like give me an opportunity and so i think he enjoyed the enjoyed the yeah the ambition mm. and uh said he would save me uh you know a spot at the internship after my freshman year so that was cool that, that was a that was a proud moment because i didn't know what i was going to do you know and then i decided to explore fine uh i had landed something that's usually saved for like sophomores and juniors after after college and and so i mean the the work itself was like you know it's it's x for at least like the summer analyst position it's like spreadsheets excel right right the occasional very occasional coffee although he, he never asked me to do that i just had to do it once from one of their <laughs> one of their associates <laughs> but um um anyway like there, there's a lot more to him than like finance he he was at a point in his life where he was getting more into philanthropy and, and social and he was also kind of feeling like he needed to make uh a difference in the world right he yeah mm. uh, i could that there was an itch to pivot to something more meaningful and so he was deeply concerned about our financial situation right like the the fact that our country is taking more and more debt millennials are essentially the ones that you know like the, that are getting fucked by all of them we have to- yeah his son right and so i mean he's deeply concerned for his, obviously his children and like just the whole country as a whole and but he was also uh, insightful enough to realize that the millennial generation is is the most um and you could say i'm sure you could say the same for the upcoming ones but like really the first generation to be shaped by technology far more interconnected far more diverse far more open-minded and in a way because of that um and uh but in terms of tangible uh capacity for impact there's also we're also the large in terms of so when it comes to voting power when it comes to consumer spending when it comes to a lot of things like there's a lot of that if people were to were to band together and say we we demand this change and we vote with our dollars before we vote with our voting rights and things like that there's commercial political environmental and social change that can be created uh so he he, he liked to do this thing where he brought together all his interns every year and gave this little pitch about like how we're all fucked and how <laughs> to like spread awareness about like the economic climate and like what to do about it um I kind of took the, I took on the challenge and, and I, um, that was the same time I was feeling jaded by like school. Yeah. Well, all right. I'm not learning anything. Um, college was fine. Did a lot of partying. Probably abused my body a little too much, but, <laughs> um, you know, there's, um, but there's just a, a feeling of like emptiness. Right. For and sure. So I, I kind of came to him the next day and said, um, you know, what, what you're talking about is just one byproduct of a more deeply rooted issue that I think is at the core of what we are, that we need to address. And, and that simply like all of the problems that we face in society and, and in our lifetime and all lifetimes is just a reflection of like the state of awareness and, and consciousness and, and way of thinking of, of humanity, right? And so, um, you know, actions are simply manifestations of, of our internal sort of state of state of being and so i basically said to him like if we can find a way to massively shift that in a positive direction then we can 
you know, change many things. Uh, uh, simply as you know, indirect byproducts of like the more most fundamental thing is 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 internal change, right? Like, like being more open-minded, being more respectful, being more patient, being more empathetic, um, being more willing to listen to the other person's perspective, right? Like these are things that are fundamental to being able to negotiate more uh, pragmatically, more uh, more empathetically you know, to be more in tune with our environment, to actually care about things that impact others, right? It all starts with like, um, it all starts with your relationship with yourself and your relation and, and therefore your relationship with other people and, 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 you know, all sentient beings and things like that. And, um, I'm not sure that was my thought process was like super that eloquent. <laughs> It was just like a feeling and, and like like a like it was just that like surface level understanding of that notion and uh so i i came up with something called millennial which was basically understanding like at least at the time um how social media contributed to that type like the more toxic way of interacting you know and that being tools that we really need to uh reach and uh, I didn't have a in technology or design or anything. I had no idea about it, but I just said, we need a new social media platform. I don't know how we're gonna do it. Uh, it was a lot for me to like even think about because it, like the baggage of like, how do you even go about designing something like this, creating mockups, like building the technology, scaling it, you know? So, so, I'm, so whenever you were thinking this, were you presently on like any social media yourself? No, I was on I was on Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook. And how did did those like from your own personal um, interactions with these platforms did that like contribute to you like seeing these issues? Me like oh like this is not affecting my life in a positive way, even though it should be. For sure. So I'm gonna make my own thing. For sure. Um, I think that you know. I think that most people are aware of uh, the game that's kind of being played on social media um but maybe not maybe maybe people until maybe there's a moment where you kind of realize all of it's kind of dumb but uh i think increasingly people are becoming aware and that's why we see less and less people like more people are still on it but less and less people are actually sharing things themselves mm. highly curated right and it doesn't feel really genuine it kind of it's kind of like why am i promoting myself it just feels like a little strange to do yeah um, and so there's definitely that feeling at the time uh, i mean social media was being at least the platforms i was using was being like far more widely used in in the posting and sharing sense um but i think as people get a little older or as these technologies exist for longer the the surface benefits of like the dopamine release and you know like the lights and things like that that it's not sustainable it doesn't speak to things that we really like truly care about or that truly at least truly fulfill us right and so you know ultimately um that was the start of junto is you know i just had a piece of i like sketched something up on like this design software i knew like very very little sketch and it was like a terrible website landing page. I probably have the 
the mock-ups like years ago but um and then i and then i just didn't you know didn't i went back to my school sophomore year and uh kind of spent that year just picking up skills so i had like three i was working like three internships or two two internships while i was in school like one of them was in doing like content marketing for like um an ai startup in san diego like remotely um i was doing some um a part-time internship helping this venture capital firm basically doing bitch work it wasn't like anything yeah, meaningful. yeah. but uh like i was in nashville where vanderbilt was and then there's uh uh the summer after sophomore year where i was helping a education technology accelerator like starting basically my there's um these leaders in education technology that partnered with N nyu steinhardt to spin up like a um an ed tech you know accelerator where they're they nurture and invest in companies and, and there's also another uh, financial technology startup that helps investors like um put like invest in companies that are aligned with their values and so um all of these things kind of help me understand like the ecosystem better and so coming into my junior year i felt more prepared to actually build something and i had met two two people um through the internship at um uh the fintech startup that i had in new york uh the summer after sophomore year and so we we started to, to build something together and uh launched you know launched a platform in um at vanderbilt and brought a few hundred people it was during like finals we that's when we were able to finally finish something but got a few hundred people online um it was cool. It was, it was really insightful. Learned like shortcomings of like the user experience that we needed to improve and, and but most importantly validated. We just needed to validate the core concept. You know, like I was more skeptical, like not skeptical, just not as certain back then because I was in an environment where it didn't feel as like open. Mm. And I, there was more that I needed to kind of like, like break through which is a good thing because if you can validate your concept there, then you know that you're on the right track. Right. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And you know, like Vandy is notorious for like Greek life, at least was like they started to kill it off like in the past few years. And at least in the culture of that school at the time, there is, there is, there's these stereotypes that are associated with all these different fraternities and sororities. And, and um, you know, it's funny because you become really good friends with people your first year or first semester, and then suddenly you can't be friends anymore. It's kind of ridiculous. But um, anyway, there one one thing that really stood out was this one person at this specific fraternity that had a you know like there's it's it's not a it's not a big school like people know of each other and there are certain impressions that you know and rumors and gossip that goes around and he came to me with a hundred page Google document and shared that with me, which basically went through all of his internal dialogues he had of like the same thing that I was thinking. Right. And I would have never expected it from this guy. And he just basically said like, like it's talking about his time, like at a concert where him and like, he just felt like he was going insane because everyone's just jumping up and down and just like felt like so numb and mindless. And he's like, is this really all there is to it? you know like do people really not like give a shit or like really understand or care and things like that it was 100 pages of things like that and these are the undercurrent of thoughts generation that uh 
we're becoming increasingly vocal about. I think the times of coronavirus are also going to significantly shape a more authentic way of being. You know, I think that a little shake up to the system is going to make people like realize, oh, I cared about a lot of stupid shit and now it's time to just be a little bit more real. Um, but that was, that was the vote of confidence that we needed. Like him, obviously, and there's like several others, like people sharing very personal things, uh, very honest um, expressions and, and stories. And uh, it wasn't, it was far from where the, the product was far from where it needed to be, but it showed us that with the right intentions, you can really design patterns that inspire very different cultural flows, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that human behavior is really a byproduct of the environment that we, that we find ourselves in. You know, if you go to a bar, then you're going to act, and they're playing a certain type of music. They have alcohol, and they have all these different things. You're going to act very differently there than you will if you went to like a Zen center or something, right? Like we really just kind of adapt to like the places that we we are, and kind of adopt those the the subtle nuances and the more vocal nuance of that culture, and um, and that was the you know that was that was the story of of Andy and then since then it's kind of evolved into you know um a deeper understanding of like what design patterns actually need to be built uh the underlying technology that needs to be uh, that needs to go with that in terms of like decentralization uh not sure how familiar you are with like blockchain or things like you know that that whole movement of of um uh, moving away from like centralized platforms that own all your information and serve as like a, like a, a mediator between everything. Um, and then also, you know, making the, the whole organization a nonprofit eventually and, and just trying to like, just, uh, the, the vision kept kind of becoming more clear and, um, and yeah, that's, that's the, that's the origin story. I think a lot of what you just said is super relevant in people your age and even people my age and people in high school um and i think a lot of people um feel the way you do a lot more than people let on that is um i think there's i mean as you said um with social media the platforms currently that we have there's um there's a there's definitely a fin, uh, a feeling of emptiness in that um sure we may have an increase in like the quantity of interpersonal communication but like the quality isn't there and it it's you can't have the quality there whenever whenever you tweet something you have 140 characters like you're just not going to have a quality um mode of communication when you're limited to these limits that these platforms have for us um, so yeah, yeah, we're having we 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 may have more um, interpersonal communication. We may um, um, connect with more people, form new um, connections that we wouldn't have been able to be have formed before um, these platforms existed. But we have to look at how the quality of these um, connections and the quality of these relationships, because they can only be they can only be developed so far um, with the limitations that they, um, they give us. And it's very, very super superficial. And you see that a lot in um, college friendships. Um, it's very superficial and surface level. 
and you see it in high school as well. But um, I think I think it's a little different for us. Um, I assume you went to, did, you, did you go to ST since kindergarten? Mm-hmm. I think I, I I did the same. Um, so you can definitely form deeper relationships whenever you do go to the same school for 13 years you 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 grew up with these kids like these are like some real relationships that you develop like friends for life and all but like whenever you do go to a school for only four years whenever you do only interact through social media like the relationship can only get so far and we have this superficial relationship that doesn't satisfy our human needs of having those deeper and more significant relationships that we need as humans to to develop and to thrive. Um, there's there's this um, there's this book called um, the Loneliness Cure um, by I think his name is Corey Floyd. Um, I think he's a he's a professor at the University of Arizona right now. Um, but in it, he talks about how um, affection just like the expressions of, of, of affection and um, are, and he compares it to food, how like we need food to survive. We need affection. We need these interpersonal deep relationships to um, thrive and survive. And if we don't have that certain amount of, of affection, then like it's going to cause physical issues along with psychological um um, issues as well. Um, that's why three in five Americans feel a state of loneliness. Um, I think um, that social media is definitely a double-edged sword in that um, it definitely helps us make connections, but again, it it also hinders our um, ability to make deeper connections. If you're spending all this time on the internet and on social media platforms, you kind of lose those skills necessary to making those deep interpersonal relationships that are so important to us. Like we are social beings. We need to be able to confide in people and to um, self-disclosure is a big thing in um, human interaction that we need to do because we can't do this whole life thing by ourselves. Um, And I think, I don't know if people as you said, in, like, yeah, I'm sure there's people in university and college that understand that and have that feeling of emptiness that you have, that you had back then. Um, I, I feel like a lot of people, once they do have that feeling of like uncomfortability and like, oh, I feel empty inside, they, they distract themselves. They, they, oh, let me just go to this party, short term, like gratification. Um, just to distract myself. I don't want to feel this way, so I'm going to go do this. I'm going to distract myself. I'm going to do all these activities. I'm going to join this frat that's always doing something. I'm going to do this organization. But it, it's not resolving the conflict that we have inside of us. It's not resolving the issue that we're, we're going through. Um, and it's, it's just short-term gratification when we're avoiding the problem. So, um, And, and I, I think that a lot of people feel that numbness inside that feeling of emptiness um, but are too afraid to like tackle it by themselves and I think that your story will definitely help other people like resonate with it and be like oh okay like I'm not the only one feeling this way it's it's normal Um, 
I'm not abnormal because that's that's another thing we we hate feeling out of place we hate feeling out of the ordinary we, we need that sense of belonging um, and I think that that feeling that you also had of oh I need I need to make a change in this world like that 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 speech that um, Champ's dad gave you the interns like oh like I need I need to do something you know I think that's a I, I think a lot of people our age have that feeling of I need to contribute something to this world um, and I love to see that like someone's actually doing it like yourself um, and I don't know like what what do you think if you could and you talk about how like our environment um, that we that we are in affects our actions and I totally agree with that um, the whole I mean group group think you know like you're influenced by other people's thoughts and um, the norms that you are kind of limited to it kind of limits yourself um, and the environment I think definitely influences um, your actions so what what are some big aspects in our current society and culture do you think are contributing to this this feeling of numbness of loneliness because like three and five Amer according to Cigna at least I, I don't know how exactly they did their I think I think it was just a survey they did but like three and five Americans feel like they're in a state of loneliness I mean that's a big number you know that's I don't, I don't know if that number was the same 50 years ago or if that number has increased or decreased over time, but like that, that's a big number that I, I feel like it's not normal. Um, so what, are you, what do you think are some big aspects in current society that are contributing to, to that? Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's well put and that's a, that's a big question because there's not not like a simple answer to that question. Um, before I get into that, I, I'm going to clarify that I think that it's important to make a distinction between loneliness and solitude. I think that solitude can be extremely healthy. And I think that some of the best insights and developments and uh, um, massive ships occur from moments of solitude. And I think that people need to learn how to be alone. You know, I think that people need to learn how to be, to be with themselves. Like you said, there is the, the feeling of looking towards other things to take your mind off or it's not even taking your mind off anything. It's just keeping it. Mm -hmm. and there's not a, there's not a, there's not a element of stillness where uh, you allow like just as we need to rest our bodies, right? And we need to rest and in other ways we, we need to like ideally we, we let our stomachs rest as well. We don't constantly eat, we don't overeat, we have some period of like fasting, right? Um, which has been proven to be extremely healthy. But there 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 should be fasting for the mind as well. And I think that um, you know, the state of loneliness I think is really I think that there is a yes, we we're very interconnected and we um, you know, uh, thrive when we are in social environments in the sense of like we, we like it, it can be very nourishing um, to varying degrees depending on like how introverted you are, right? But like th there is some 
level of social interactions that needs to take place for people to feel nourished. But I think it's also important to, to find that fulfillment and to find that nourishment and that quality of life when you are by yourself, right? I think that is possible as well. And I think that comes, and, and I think this goes into your question of, I think that really comes down to being, uh, I mean, it sounds a little cliche, but it, it is self-love, right? It's self-acceptance. Uh, and I think that that is derived from feeling like what, like what you are doing and your expression and who you are is meaningful. And there are many ways to derive that. You know, you can go very Zen and say, you know, everything just is and I am like the way I am and that in and of itself can suffice this feeling of like, that's the ultimate realization, right? Um, obviously we're not like, many of us aren't there. And so we require certain actions in life to derive that, you know, like what is the path that I'm walking on? What is my occupation? What change am I making in the world? Uh, how authentic am I being in my, in my, you know, in my self-expression and, and what, what are the quality of my relationships, right? I think these are issues that are highly systemic. You know, I think that um, there's an entire, I, I would say there's an entire system built around uh, keeping people like just content enough, you know, like just, just barely satisfied to not do anything about it. You know, um, I think the education system is extremely flawed that we need to have, it shouldn't be something that people dread going to every day or many people, you know, I think that we need to, instead of having it be like so unidirectional, it should really be a facilitation of learning, of, of improving on natural curiosities that are found within childhood and developing those throughout the years and enabling some level of agency into the process of education where we give that agency and self-direction the students themselves to discover like, what do you want to learn? I think there needs to be more play. I think there needs to be, you know, less emphasis on like, I mean, I do this myself, but I don't think of my work as work. It's, it's really like, I feel like I need to do because it is more, more purpose driven. Right. But there, there's a culture that exists where you go through these steps and then you get your bachelor's degree and maybe you get like for extended education, continuing education. And, and for what? So you can get like a stable job that you're not really happy at. And that just continues on until your adulthood. And I think that all of that contributes to like, it's all, you're, it's a culture of settling for security and settling for safety, right? Rather than really taking a risk and embracing and allowing your, yourself to self-investigate and be like, what do I really want to do with my life? What resonates most deeply with me? And obviously there's a certain level of, uh, I would say privilege that comes with being able to do those things. You know, certain people have more responsibilities and obligations that they need to attend to. Maybe they have a family. Maybe they have, you know, maybe they're a single mother. Maybe they came from a really poor background and, and, and need to take care of their parents, right? So they're, I'm not being insensitive to the economic hardships, but that's the other thing. But I'm, I'm illuminating that because that, that brings up the other point systemically of, um, I think, money the way money works, not to go into a deep rabbit hole, but the way money works is extremely um, uh, contributing, contributing significantly to this way of life as well, where the reason why people are always on edge and the reason why people feel like they have to settle is because 
you've got to make money somehow, right? Uh, and we have a currency based off of scare, like uh, artificial scarcity, where all money is debt, you know, whether court, like commercial banks borrow from the Federal Reserve, you know, it's debt plus interest. When, when students borrow for their student loans, when you borrow money for a mortgage, all money that is in circulation is some form of debt. And with that, with that debt, there's two components. There's like a principal payment that you owe. So let's say you borrowed $100,000. So that's the principal payment, but you also owe interest on that money. And so now you have all the money in circulation is, is, is the principal, right? But now you have all of this interest that is built on top of that debt. So if someone's always losing, right? There's not enough money in circulation to pay back all of the money that is owed plus interest. And so that creates a huge problem of scarcity where people, no matter what people, some there's a large society that's going to be underserved and that's always going to be in debt. And that always feels like they have to live paycheck by paycheck. So we fundamentally need to change the monetary system to address these issues. I think money is probably the biggest thing. I think that uh, there needs to be a movement of, um, you know, uh, like a wellness movement, which is already happening, but learning how to take care of ourselves better, which should be incorporated uh, and is related to education, right? Like, I think there should be certain things like practices or, um, uh, again, more play, and it can even be an introduction to different uh, mediums of spirituality if, if certain schools are open to that. But I think that a more holistic approach to self-care, personal finance, um, you know, um, uh, physical education in addition to academic studies and self-directed like hands-on project-based learning needs to be incorporated into our school system um i mean there, there's so many problems in society that that are highly systemic like the way that like how our view of you know like what substances we are classifying as schedule one how we criminalize these substances how we target certain minority communities rather than you know um uh, and then also how our, our whole culture is highly punitive, right? Both, both in terms of how we deal with, with criminalization. Um, you know, we, we, we think that like sending someone to jail is going to solve the problem, but then what happens when they serve their time and, and come back out? Like we, there's not a path to redemption, right? There's not a, there's not a way to rectify those mistakes. There's not a, it's not a regenerative culture. It's one built off of punishment and, and shame which drives more, you know, more of this feeling of lack of, lack of belonging, um, lack of uh, a place in society, lack of opportunity, lack of economic empowerment. And then you also have the punitive culture that has been, become exacerbated through like our ridiculous cancel culture. You may have heard of that where everyone feels like they have to be really PC. Mm, right? Yeah. Like you can't even, have a conflicting opinion that is not with the popular left because there is, or, or right, it doesn't matter. Like, because uh, if someone dis disagrees with you, then you're like an awful person. <laughs> like that's, mm -hmm. like that's the culture we live in today where free speech is becoming like more and more prohibited. Like on in many liberal schools, you have certain speakers that can't come to campus anymore and share like very valid points. And so the spirit of, the spirit of, of, of trying to understand different perspectives and be really open-minded because there is an emotional lacking, right? There, there is a deeper sensitivity to criticism. 
think we've become highly coddled and I think that we've become really soft in some ways, which has been really beautiful in terms of um, becoming more sensitive to the issues that we need to take care of, but is becoming toxic in the way of how we, I'm generalizing, but largely as a whole, react to these, like, um, it becomes like a very fiery reactivity-based model of like, not really bringing people together, but for like, continuing the divisiveness that exists. And so, again, these are all really difficult issues that contribute to that feeling that I was describing to you, of why people feel that way. Um, fundamentally, this is, this is the source of the motivation of Junto, is that you can't solve all of those problems without making a massive shift in internal development. People need to learn how to be more patient, more, more calm, more uh they need to develop more of, of this sense of open-mindedness a sense of acceptance for other people non-judgment until then we can't solve these problems because all of these issues are built on like you need to have compassion for you know the environment for animals for you know for each other um for people that are suffering uh, and understand that suffering exists within all socioeconomic backgrounds right and so uh, for example, there, there's, you know, like this idea of like comparison, like these, these people are like suffering more, right? Like people like to like, like basically deny people of their relative experience of suffering because they think that this other group of people suffers more and that just contributes to further divide. Like there's large backlash against people who are white now because they clearly they quoted, you know, supposedly don't understand like what it means to be you know, like the certain thing, and that, that type of behavior and mindset is just not helpful. And so we, until we can change the way that, um, you know, uh, it, it's, it's really our relationship with ourselves. And I think that, again, everything that's happening right now is actually, uh, it sucks in many ways, but I think it, it, there's going to be a lot of beautiful things that come out of it. Um, people are, have kind of been sent to their rooms <laughs> and, and, and are forced to have time alone and really be with themselves. And I think for a lot of people, this might be a good thing. And um, I think that we're gonna come out of this, um, at least at, on the bright side, you know, uh, thinking about these things more, more deeply, understanding, really questioning the decisions that we were making before, because this is an opportunity to make a massive reset, both as a society, but also in our individual lives as well. Yeah, I think, I think, one of the things you touched on was like being PC and everything. And I, I think that's, that can be greatly exemplified in just like this, you can see it in stand-up comedy um, for sure. Where like, if, if, if a comedian is making a joke, it's almost that they have to say after the joke, Oh, I don't actually like believe this or that, or think this way, because if they don't like make that disclaimer, then like they're going to be scrutinized for whatever they said, even though like comedy is meant to bring people together. It, it's supposed to poke fun at different groups of people. Everyone is, everyone's getting made fun of for in a positive manner. You know, it's, it's not in, there's not a malicious intent there. Um, the vast majority, like I would say 95% to maybe even 99% of the time that comedians make jokes about certain groups of people that 
that may offend some people. It's not coming from a malicious standpoint, but it's coming from a quite the opposite actually trying to like make people laugh and bring joy to people and to kind of make fun of the human flaws that we all have um, and I think that um, people I don't I don't I don't know why I, I feel like there's definitely like a, a small group of people maybe it's bigger than I think but I think there are definitely that group of people who are almost um, looking to get offended um, I think that um I, th I think that we need to be, I think we as, as humans need to make, a, take a more holistic view on, um, on just people in general, because I think, I think we need to look more at where someone is coming from and their intent rather than what is actually being said. Um, because I, I think that intent is the most important part of any message being said. Um, because if, if someone has a good intent with some sort of message, but just poorly words it in some way, and then we like kind of attack them for making that message, it kind of discourages them, discourages them from um, making positive messages in the future because they were attacked for something they didn't really mean. You know, they, they had the intent was there, but the, the execution wasn't there. And it may not be their fault. It's just that they need more help wording whatever their message is better um and i don't why why do you think that we're becoming so polarized nowadays like why, why do you why do you think that's such a prevalent thing well i also think it's largely due to that's why technology is probably one of the most important things we can, we can rebalance right we can try to fix um you know they're like if you think about what really drives attention and engagement, the most effective ways are emotional, like emotions that lie on the uh, spectrum of being uh, angry and, and frustrated and outraged, right? And, you know, obviously that's why there's this whole new field and study of like needing to bake more ethics into our algorithms and our AI. But a lot of these platforms really do thrive on like, they're, 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 there's a myriad of things. One, there's um, the facilitation of targeted advertisements, right? Like basically harvesting all of this personal information to be able to predict and manipulate behavior. That's what they're doing. And they've gotten the model really close to like 80%. It's really frightening because then you can start to influence um, which is the first step and then there's voting. And then there's, you know, ways of thinking and then, and then all of this can, is, is kind of a, a gateway to controlling population. Mm. Yeah. So, um, let me see. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you. You good? Yeah. Um, so I, I think that, you know, technology plays, plays a large role um, when a lot of the algorithms thrive on engagement and the things that drive engagement are things that are highly divisive. I think that there are echo chambers of information too, algorithms that only show you activity that you agree with or things that you like. So you're really only seeing things that kind of reinforce your perspective. Um, you also, you know, there's also, um, uh, 
again, limited ways of self-expression, which you astutely pointed out when it comes to like Twitter and things like that. How can you really have meaningful conversations within these confines of, of certain number of characters and only these certain nonverbal reactions? Like, you know, like it yeah. doesn't feel in our capacity. And why do these things have to be publicized, right? Why, why do, why do the number of like reactions something gets, or you know, like your Eric, can you hear me? Yeah, I think we're back now. Yeah. My wife hasn't been super great here. It's okay. It's okay. Um, yeah, and then and then so there's there's you know the whole idea of social media, which again I think has done wonders for connecting us at least instantaneously and and getting access to information and things like that. But I think that the evolution of social media lies in shifting the digital culture, right? Um, one that's more focused on uh, just more interpersonal ways of and, and more respectful ways of and, and thorough ways of uh, engagement while with the focus on privacy. But um, there's also, it doesn't help to have popular news conglomerates like mainstream media that's owned by six corporations to only continue to all communicate things that are like all negative. Like you, you turn on the news and you just find your emotional state just being drained. Like constantly, there's a shooting here, burglary here, violence here, this many deaths. Like it's always like all of this mind-numbing, parasitic information that is like all into like this. Like it's us against them, right? Like instead of we're all in this together and let's find a way to like deal with it. Um, so. I think the way that we move beyond this again is, is we, we need to, um, it's hard. Like we need to, we need to, uh, have a completely new way of engaging at scale that you don't need to make a conscious effort to benefit from like the platform. Cause a lot of the benefits are, are through the subtle nuances of just simply how it's designed and people don't even, need to notice that, that or care about these things to actually feel a difference in their behavior right um, and so I think that's a first step but again I think that the, mo the money issue is a big deal I, I'm a personal believer in, in universal basic income I think that if you can get the boot off people's throats you know if you can give people baseline uh, I mean it's shown that people's IQs drop a whole standard deviation like 13 or 14 when they're uh, finance, like in a fi financially difficult situation. And so money is a huge deal. Um, finding a way to uh, fix that is probably one of the biggest issues of not only lifetime, but of all lifetimes, you know, of, of entire history of humanity. Um, of, uh, Eric, can you hear me? Hmm. Wi-Fi be tripping. 
it's getting hot in Houston, guys. It is like, I think it's like 95 degrees outside right now. Like, summer is coming. I'm not used to this hot weather. Like, I'm used to being like in like 40 degree weather in Connecticut, and I'm like dying in this heat. I forgot how hot Houston can get in the summer. Um, oh, he'll be back. Kind of lagged out. But yeah, I think um, I'm really interested to see what makes um, Eric's social media platform, Junto, um, different from all the other present um, day um, social media platforms that we are um, akin to and accustomed to because it sounds like he, he it's, it's really interesting, his story, because I think a lot of people... Th- um, f- feel the same way he does. Um, I, I think that um, this this new social media platform has the potential to um, really um, get be able to become mainstream. It's a long shot, but who knows? Um, so I'm really interested to see like when it's going to come out. If it's not already out. And um, maybe it's my wife. And um, also if um, how it's different from all the other social media platforms. Because I know Instagram was testing some stuff about um, they were testing taking off the like counter on posts. And they didn't test it in the U.S., but they tested it in smaller countries. Um, and I don't, I don't. I don't know if they're still testing that or um, what's going on there, but I'm interested to see like if he has um, on his social media platform like like a like counter like that because I feel like um, as he was saying earlier like the, the need to publicize all these things and like likes and followers how that can um, negatively impact um, our society and kind of polarize it even more than it already is um, because we're so self like we need that dopamine um, every time we get that like notification or whatnot. Um, but I think, I think, um, I think there's, I'd also like to see what he does about, um, well, if he's back, let's see. Hello. Hey. Hey, I'm just gonna use my phone because my. Uh, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. You're good. Okay. Um. So I'm I'm really interested um, in. So we've talked about a lot of like the issues that we see in society and how. It's kind of negatively contributing to our society and our culture and um, therefore in individuals. So like what is, I want to jump more into like what is Junto? Like, like what it looks like, what, what its purpose is, what does it have a mission statement? Just like the fundamentals of Junto and just how it works. Yeah, well, I think, I think I'll give you some mid to high level uh, explanations and maybe reference, you know, 
uh, some resources that go a lot deeper into um, the specifics just because I think that's going to take another mm-hmm. hour just to even talk about how all the nuances of what we're doing, at least from a um, design standpoint, right? But um, yeah, I mean, for us, for us, it has to be a holistic approach. There, There's three main pillars to what we're doing. First is fundamentally redesigning all of the patterns that exist to be more aligned with the well-being of the community. And so um, there are certain things like getting rid of AI that creates echo chambers and, you know, uh, uh, just giving more agency over the experience, allowing people to create their own feeds, having multiple layers of interactions, having many mediums of self-expression from like rich text editor, like medium to uh, video, audio, audio, um, you know, like photos, uh, events, but also getting the community involved in, uh, so this entire project is open source and that means that all of the code that we write is publicly available. Um, anyone can kind of is welcome to contribute to the process of the, like the direction we take the product, um, and other facets of the organization. But for example, if someone had a good, there could be community, we're going to be introducing ways of like polling to where community members can kind of suggest certain mediums of expression that they want to be using in the application. For example, if someone, there's a community of people that's really passionate about writing, writing poetry, right? Then we would work with people that write poetry a lot and try to design and build that into the product as another form of expression with a very different layout. And, you know, and, and um, continuing to expand and explore the depth of like what uh, humanity is capable of and, and and uh, our, our ways of communicating with each other. Um, and of course, you know, uh, things like, um, like private comments, uh, making nonverbal reactions just private to the person that authored the, the, the content, you know, providing an option to, to make your follower account public, but making the default private. Um, there's just a lot of subtle nuances as well as larger um, more innovative changes that we're introducing, like being able to uh, uh, explore content and information based off of your degrees of separation. So there's this idea of like everyone's connected by six degrees and based off of your first degree connections, we would be able to show you people from, and information from like your second degree, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth, and also create like a visualization and a tree of like how you got to that person, like the tree of people that brought you to that person or that information. Um, and, 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 you know, and, and, and much more that, um, people will naturally discover in, in, in the product, but that's just a taste for now. Um, and in terms of the, the technology, um, in the near future, we're going to be fully decentralized. And what that means is leveraging, uh, distributed technologies to, um, build a version of Junto where we don't run or host like our own servers, like centralized servers. So just to give you context, like Facebook and all of these companies um, either, you know, run servers on like AWS or like Azure, like Microsoft or Amazon web services, or they have their own server farms. But the problem is, is that they are in control of your data because they're the ones hosting, uh, hosting all of this information. And they ultimately, you know, in the terms of service, have 
said, because of this, we have a license to do what we want with your information. Um, and, and this is a problem because since they are the medium to distributing your information, like these, these servers are responsible for not only storing, but processing and distributing it to everyone that's access, like everyone that is using an app has to access these servers. And if these servers are owned by one company, then they can just censor you. They can remove content they don't like. You know, they can, there's more security vulnerabilities with a single point of failure. Uh, there is um, a lack of transparency when it comes to what type of algorithms they're really building. They don't have to disclose that. Uh, they just keep your information behind this firewall. And they can just sell it to advertisers. They can monetize it. They don't have to pay you a penny for anything. Uh, that's just breaching the surface of like the problems of the centralized tech stack. And so when you move over to um, a de decentralized tech stack, um, this was popularized by Bitcoin and you know other cryptocurrencies where the underlying technology of blockchain was seen as like a, a valid first step of, of, of providing peer-to-peer -peer ways of, of uh, um, building these sort of distributed applications. Um, but there, there are other technologies that have emerged where we're not using blockchain, we're using an alternative that's more scalable and energy efficient called Holochain. Um, so when, when we can actually build our platform here, then Junto no longer is in the middle of owning all this information. Instead, these network of computers and servers are distributed across the globe and our members own their own data and identity. They, uh, there can be no censorship. It's more secure because there's, you know, now there are potentially millions points, millions of points of failure rather than, or not points of failure, but millions of, of nodes that are kind of interacting with each other rather than having one centralized place that you can kind of attack. And uh, it just provides a more globally accessible uh, means of, of free speech. So there are many like, I mean, even in the United States, there's a lot of censorship, but there are many countries that are even more obnoxious about preventing their citizens and their people from having access or being able to uh, access information outside of certain, you know, um, certain domains or certain websites that they don't allow. And, um, and finally, you know, just being setting it up as a nonprofit organization. So it's always stewarded by um, uh, an organization that truly does have the interests of its people first and is not is legally bound to um, putting the revenue towards advancing the mission rather than benefiting any sort of shareholders. And so there are no third party investors, there are no third party um, uh, stockholders and shareholders that can kind of come in and influence the direction that we, we might take forward, uh, moving forward, which is, has largely been the case. Like you take Snapchat, for example, where we started off with a brilliant, brilliant product, really beautiful, um, you know, UX and UI. And it's become more and more polluted by just trying to show you more ads because they have to, that's the best way to monetize. And that's the direction that the shareholders have pushed them into. And so uh, that's the, that's the holistic approach of what we're doing. You know, people like you and others are, are welcome to uh, sign up for the uh, alpha release that we're, um, we've actually just rolled, started to roll out. Um, uh, at least for friends and family on our, on our website, junta.foundation. And, and uh, you know, just um, 
there's a bunch of information on the site when it comes to, um, you know, the, the mission and, and things like that. But in terms of like how the product actually works, I just encourage people um, to just get on the wait list and, and see for themselves. Do you have a timeline of when the full product will be ready to be released? Yeah, so the product's already released, but we're, our alpha is going to be closed and, and, and only exclusive to people on our wait list. And so we have a few thousand people lined up already, and we're, we're starting to onboard a few hundred these next few weeks. Um, this is the family and friends stage of Junto, and then after that will be um, the Kickstarter uh, and, and crowdfunders. So we, we, you may have seen that we launched a Kickstarter pa- campaign last year where, where we raised um, about $107,000 in, in 30 days from about uh, 700 people. And so we, we want to get those people onboarded. Um, and then there's a few thousand that are, have just found us organically um, or that we've met along the way that um, will be the next people on board. And so, you know, anyone, uh, you and anyone else listening to this are, are welcome to, well, for you, I'll just give you an invite to the family and friends so you can get onboarded earlier on. But, uh, you know, in general, people can just wait list on the, on the website and, um, we're going to grow from the initial community by giving people uh, invitations to build their pack, which is their closest group of friends um, and kind of, you know, uh, see the network and, and really grow from the uh, initial core base. Um, that's, I'm really interested. Yeah. Yeah. That, it, this sounds really cool. It sounds super novel. And um, I think it definitely has the potential to like take off and, um, be super successful so this is what how many years in the making is junto uh depends what the where you want to start <laughs> i guess from i guess i guess freshman year summer freshman year right of high school yeah. of that was like the, yeah that was like the core motivation concepts started tangibly working on it uh junior year of university so then we're coming up on three and a half years, almost four years then. Um, more, probably maybe three years and nine months. So it's been a long, it's been a long journey. So for you to see these, the progress and like, actually it's, it's you can see it developing, you can see the, the final product, you see the progress that you've made. How, how does that make you feel as just like seeing your work being completed almost? Um, well, I don't really see it as being completed. Um, I think it's kind of a never ending evolution. Mm. I think this, this really does feel like just the beginning. I mean, it, it is like, we're just about to onboard the first people in the official version. Um, you know, I, I, I I, I've learned a lot and there's a lot to, I've taught myself a lot through this process and, and um, have received a lot from others through this process. And there's a tremendous amount to be grateful for, for sure. Um, I think maybe this is more of a personal uh, double-edged sword that, uh, you know, there's a feeling of, of, 
always wanting to take things to the next level, right? Yeah. And I think I may be leaning on the spectrum of being, being uh, on the spectrum of looking back and truly appreciating and uh, feeling content and feeling like things are enough versus feeling like there can always be a next level. Mm-hmm. I think there's, there's a balance that is, you know, always being present and appreciating, but also knowing, not getting complacent. I think I'm, I may be more on the spectrum of not getting complacent and always pushing. Um, and I think that's also due to the nature of the work where it's long hours and things like that. So um, to be honest with you, I, 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 I almost feel uh, a state of uh, uh, the emotional state is, is it has been very uh, steady and, and I don't allow myself to get in any higher lows. It's just a kind of a more Zen, like always in the middle, mm. you know, like these things, like knowing there's always more to be done. Uh, but also knowing that you can't be attached and maybe it's also a byproduct of like a attitude of non-attachment. Like you can't be attached to anything that you've created. Anything can happen. Anything can be taken away from you. It's just about putting the intention out there, putting the work out there and whatever happens happens. And I think that that attitude of non-attachment has kind of resulted in, in, in conjunction with this idea of, you know, wanting to put in even more intention has resulted in a lack of, um, in addition to, you know, some personal developments that need to take place when it comes to uh, uh, some self-love, a little more self-love. <laughs> but I think, I think that contributes to, you know, uh, maybe, maybe not even feeling that proud of myself. It's just more of this just feels like the right thing that I need to be doing. Mm. Were there any times during your path where you're, you felt like you couldn't do it and like you were just ready to like give up on the whole Junto idea and do something else? Um, no. I think there's always and still is a very strong conviction. Um, sometimes even to uh, uh, irrational. I think you kind of have to be a little irrational. There's always been a very deep conviction that you know things will, things things are things will be provided for and things will work out. Um, I think there may have there may be like moments where I feel a little exhausted when it comes to I think pre Kickstarter was I was I was reaching a point of just you know like I think it's time just take that next leap and get some financial like security on our adults. So I was getting that feeling and that can, that can make you feel a little tired. And uh, that was kind of like, all right, like if there's time for, like, I know that there's guidance, but if there's time for something tangible to come through right now, then like now's the time. But outside, outside of that, it's always just been, you know, um, pretty steadfast. So how, how many people are, are on your team working on this besides being open source, obviously. Yeah. So there's about, uh, eight people on the core team, um, two, two full-time and six people contributing part-time. So 
like I'm I'm interested in just like I guess the monetary aspect of how you're you're you've been able to um do this in that um as you said earlier there's no third party funding so is where are you getting the monetary um aspect to to run and do what you do with with dream show i mean there can be third party funding but there doesn't have, like what i mean by um a lack of obligation and being beholden to investors that's more of like nonprofits don't have equity mm -hmm. and so um traditionally if you have equity there's a certain level of voting rights as well and um so we don't have that there's not a that type of fiduciary obligation because we're not even a publicly traded company either mm -hmm. so um but we 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 can still have you know third party like we've had um some money come in through through kickstarter some money come in through a handful of high net worth individuals um some money did come in through like short-term bridge loans as well um, so there's a combination of, of, and then obviously in the very early stages when we were for profit, um, Champ actually put in some money as well, which was very, very uh, um, heartwarming to, mm -hmm. to, to feel that come full circle, right? Right, yeah, and, for sure. Uh, and so um, obviously that's not as sustainable. We have a few revenue models in the making. One is like a freemium sort of based there's like a free tier but then if you want to lift certain limitations then you can go premium and support like this project at like four dollars a month right mm -hmm. um that doesn't require a large conversion rate to kind of get the cash flow we need and there's a few other models we're looking at as well but um you know that is something we're looking to launch uh, at the start of next year and so we just want to get these next six months of development for the product and community building to be at a point where we can actually do that. That's good stuff. I yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm super interested and excited for you. Um, and just the, the company as a whole, Junto, Junto foundation as a whole. Um, and as you said earlier, Junto comes from the Spanish word junto, which means together. Right. Um, so I, I like how, um, you came about that name. Um, do you, I guess I, from what I've, uh, from what, from my understanding, it's this platform that you've created and are still, um, modifying and improving is unlike anything that we've seen before and completely novel and original. Um, so I'm, I guess, could you give me just an idea of what it, would be comparable to? Uh, you're just gonna have to wait and see. <laughs> you're just gonna have to wait and see? Okay, I'm excited to wait and see though. Yeah, there, there's there's a level of familiarity for sure. I mean, you can't be 1000% original in social right, media. Right. Um, but it takes the best, it's like taking the best of what we know um, improving on things that need to be improved on, but also adding our own twist to it. Let's just put it like that. I like it. Um, well, thank you for taking time out of your day to talk to me about this and just reconnecting. Um, 
I really enjoyed our conversation. Um, we have to stay in touch. Um, I'm definitely interested in um, getting on this Junto um, um, boat and just seeing it develop as time goes on and seeing the alpha model. Um, and I, I wish you the best of luck. Um, and yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. And thanks for uh, thanks for reaching out and rekindling. You've got a seems like you are uh, you've got a good head on your shoulders, and you've got um, some years on maybe your peers. Not that it's a competitive thing, but it's not refreshing to you know <clears throat> um, see someone at your age uh, thinking as deeply as you do. So kudos to you. Well, I think I think you were doing the same thing at my age, more or less. So. <laughs> maybe well um yeah so yeah i'd love to um yeah send me an invite to um the junto foundation i'd love to join it um maybe even contribute to it because it sounds super interesting and i I'd really like to jump on board with it um i really like your message and what you stand for um and keep in touch sounds good man take care all right see you man